0: You lollygag the ball around the end. Of it. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers.
1: This is the Bullpen Brothers. And welcome to another edition of the Bullpen Brothers. Randy Eitz, Dave Myrick, as we are here talking Big 12 baseball. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, of course, centric. And I guess we'll start out, because I know we both go to the Oklahoma games, since we both live south, we go to a lot more of those games. Let's start out with Oklahoma. Last weekend was maybe one of the oddest weekends for Oklahoma to me, Dave. They lose two of three, but they were literally in every game.
2: They were massive opportunity Friday. You get the the winning run on first base with no outs. In a series that you have to win, uh, playing at home with a chance to get the crowd behind you the rest of the weekend, didn't get the hit. And oddly enough, we're texting back and forth. You've got the three guys up that you want with McKenzie, uh, Harris, and Madron. It doesn't happen. Now they come back and, and salvage a series on Sunday, which mm-hmm. you start to feel good about. And then the midweek happens because Oklahoma State, It's you, you can't put your finger on exactly where this team is or what the problem is right it, now.
1: Exactly. And that's where, you know, I was just doing a segment with Dylan Buckingham. It's like, I'm to the point now I'm kind of discounting midweek games because you're to a point in the season where you want to make the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, your dream would be to make the NCAA regional. I don't know how much they're putting on those midweek games. You know, look at how they're, you know, it's like, you knew Gray Harrison was starting and he didn't have it, but he probably wasn't going more than three innings. You know, it's kind of like, it was going to be a bullpen day anyway. And they want to win it. Don't get me wrong. It's not a discount, but it's still, it's like, you look sometimes in these teams that are kind of on the outside looking at the NCAA. You see that a lot of times in a lot of conference where like midweeks don't matter. We, we got to finish up in the top five of the big 12. I think that's the most long shot of long shots for Oklahoma, but it's like, is that where they're, they're at now? Are they going, we got to concentrate on weekends because they finally got a weekend rotation and it's almost like, don't worry about that four spot. Let's just, See if we can't win the weekends.
2: I would agree, except who the opponent was. I I agree with that. that. That's That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's the only difference. I think uh, the leash on Gray Harrison might have been a little long, but uh, I think that plays into your point. It's going to be a bullpen night. They understand that. They want to see what these guys can do. You've You've got to see it eventually. And against a good lineup like Oklahoma State, you can't afford to help them out. Right. And they did an awful lot of helping OSU. Damon Minor touched on it. This team, they either get the hit that they need and the offense they need without the pitching, or they get a good pitching game from somebody without getting the hit. Those are the two things plaguing OU right now. It's what makes them inconsistent Mm -hmm. heading down the stretch. But you're right. I mean, their goal is to finish in a point to make the Big 12 tournament and let the chips fall where they may.
1: Yeah, and so that's where – I mean, I can't blame them right now because – If I'm a coaching staff, it feels like, you know, Skip Johnson, I feel like he's done pretty much everything he can as a pitching staff. This isn't being critical, but you're almost like you look at the last couple of weeks and you feel like Jamie hits there. You feel like Braden Carmichael after last week and what he's done in the midweek before that, he's there as a starter. And I really still have faith in Dalphit. I, I know he's been dealing with some arm soreness and everything like that. Like it started against Baylor. One of the reasons he came out when he did with 87 pitches in, in, that Baylor game. And I think you saw remnants of that last week, but I feel like overall they go, we've got three starters. Let's just breathe and go from there. And so it's like, all right, if that's where you're going to be, I need to see that type of result this weekend. You know, right now that being said, if they go out and everything blows up all weekend this weekend against Texas, they go back to the drawing board. You know, they and do. it's weird, man. I I don't even know what to say. It's like Dylan asked me on the franchise the the other day. It's like, where do you feel that? Do you feel like Sunday's win over Tech can propel this team? I'm like, yes and no, because there's been moments this season where I'm like, oh, that was an ugly loss. I don't know, you know, like or even a, not an ugly loss, a gut punch loss where they lost it late. I don't know if they recover from this. And next thing you know, they go out and they win two in a row against a good team, or win two out of three, two out of four against Stanford. You know, right. I thought after that first game against Stanford, that might be the end. Then they go win the next two, so it's like this team, as many times as they've had a spot where you're like, does that propel them? And then it doesn't. They've had just as many where you're like, oh, does this team bounce back from it? And they do. So I don't know what to say about this
2: team. Very resilient. One thing you cannot say is that they quit right it it doesn't matter what they're facing it doesn't matter what the score is they keep coming they haven't quit all season I think that's what they've got going for them and I think you're right the starter on the the weekend rotation in my opinion is set and I think that's if you have one of those guys going midweek against OSU you start off you know with the Harris three run jack that puts you up three nothing I think they get the pitching they need midweek against OSU this this week they might win I mean I know it finished 18 to 9 but they've got guys in the rotation now that are consistent enough to hold them in games and keep the other, they've played good offenses so far. And I think with a good, good outing, you know, coming up on playing OSU Tuesday, they have a good shot to win with the offense. They had.
1: I, I agree because also Oklahoma state's kind of riddling too, tune. We'll get into them as well. I mean, they'd lost five in a row before that went over West Virginia on Sunday. And you know, Oklahoma opens up with a three nothing lead after the Dakota Harris check. If you go out and even just give up one run, you know, that puts more doubt in Oklahoma State's mind at that point in time because they're dealing with some of the same issues Oklahoma is right, right now on the pitching side of things especially when it comes to midweek. You know, so maybe that changes everything. But it didn't. And so now that's where you're just going, okay, they they've got to move forward and now just how do they move forward? You know, uh, what's this team's and maybe the one saving grace for them because we all know rivalries are good for teams, maybe it's a good thing they're playing Texas this weekend and not like say Kansas not taking anything away from Kansas but somebody that's truly going to get no matter what the record is as they always say get the team's attention
2: well we're supposed to have Bryce Madden on or were and he's not because they're practicing today on a travel day which they don't do I love hearing that yeah. that means yeah they're they're fully in going down to Austin to play the Longhorns I think they've got their full attention they understand they're at a tipping point right now if it's going to turn around and make the Big 12 tournament, it has to start right now they understand mm-hmm. that and like I said, they've got you. Like you said, they've got the pitching rotation set. If they can get a little bit more consistent offense, which I think they do with Dakota back, makes a very interesting interesting series because Texas is not the juggernaut they've been. Very beatable. Uh, you mentioned OSU. I mean, they have a great offense, and that. One thing you can't do is help those guys out. Mm-hmm. Oh, o- you did way too much of that Tuesday, and it, it came back to bite them in a big way. If they don't do that against Texas, they have a shot to go down and play really good baseball.
1: This gives me another chance, because you bring up Tuesday, to go off on the Big 12 um shit again. Because this conference, I, I I, can't even explain it, how bad the ums are. And this isn't an Oklahoma thing or an Oklahoma State. What I'm using is the example of Tuesday night. Right. 27, now granted, I think combined there were six hit-by pitches. So let's just say 21 free passes outside. I mean, 21. I know. And I know neither one of these pitching staffs are great, but they're eliminating, I've so seen so many games lately where the outside corner is non-existent. Right. Guys, these are college kids. They're not pros. They're not perfect. And I guarantee you right now, even pros would be looking at these, I'm going, how can I not have the outside corner? I mean, anymore, in the Big 12, when you watch these games across the league, it seems like unless the ball is just Perfect. a meat pitch, yep, it's it's a ball. Well,
2: and well, I don't me, get it. Let me ask you. They brought up something on the telecast about these guys being graded immediately after the game's over. Is there some kind of a new technology where they're keeping track of these pitches? See, I didn't know college was. They're doing that in the majors. Okay, They're doing that in the majors because I think
1: I'm to the point they need to bring it to college.
2: Well, I think Hunsucker
1: said they've got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they need to because it's awful. And and the conference is the worst. Now, I don't have faith in the Big 12 doing this and doing it properly. And that's not just ripping the conference. But I think they are horrible at handling baseball. Just like replay. You look at the SEC. Right. Right? Where Oklahoma is going next year. When we get to replay, guess what? Those four guys on the field in the SEC, they don't review the plays. It goes back to the SEC headquarters. They make the determination on the replay in the stadium. It's a nice little speaker, just like in the World Series, they announce what the call is. Right. Big 12, you're still going over to a laptop or whatever system they have set up and everyone's dugout and, and doing it. You know, it's like don't don't let the Umps on the field because you know what happens when the Umps on the field either overturn it or don't overturn it. All they do is hear from that opposing coach in the dugout.
2: Yeah, I've got to to ask why that is. Why is the Big 12 so antiquated? I I don't know. I mean. Being honest, I don't know. You you sit and watch it every weekend in different conferences that do it better with better equipment. You have to wonder what the holdup is. Only thing I
1: can think, only thing I can think is literally maybe some of the schools haven't come up video quality-wise enough to even warrant it, whereas if you watch the SEC Plus on ESPN Plus, all their telecasts. Are almost like TV telecasts. Good
2: point. Good point. So it's like,
1: is it worth? Is it not worth sending it back to a headquarters if you're not going to have good footage anyway?
2: No, that's 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 probably it. But I'll tell you, watching the Big Twelve games every week, it you you think it might start to get better. Mm-hmm. It, it's going the other direction. It, very concerning heading into tournament season, especially. I, I'm with you. Hey, let's talk Oklahoma State. We mentioned they had a five game losing streak before they went
1: over West Virginia. It's a little concerning to me about Oklahoma State because I still think they really, can be a really good team. How about that? I'm not going to say they are a really good team right now. They haven't totally played like it in the last couple of weeks. They've lost games that I, I know West Virginia is a good team, they right? They are. But they also lost two at three at home against Kansas. Your Oklahoma State, your top level, and I've said this all year long, when everything's peaking right, OSU can be a college World Series team. Agreed. You don't lose 2-3 or three at home to West Virginia. If you're going to Morgantown, all bets are off because West Virginia is a good team. They are. But it's like, and you lose the Jerome Brown-Watts game. Watts-Brown. I mean, it's like, that, that's the thing. It's not like they're losing Saturday and Sunday. You know, it, it's a concern right now for OSU.
2: But of those two games that they win with McLean back, that's what people have to keep in mind. I think he's that important to that team.
1: But my only thing is, like, in those two games, it's the back end you know, where he's effective. right? Like, I don't think they miss They miss him offensively because he's a good bat. Right. But their offense is good, you know. It's the back end. And so they're not even getting into a spot in some of these games where the eighth and ninth is mattering as much. Now, granted, I guess Friday nights did, you it know. Did. It was a throwing error. But at the same time, that was a throwing error, yeah. you know. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I do think he's a big factor because every, once you move, you're closer, right? You lose him. Right. Everyone's got to move up a spot. Mentally or not, we all know baseball players are mental, and that's not a negative. But once you change their roles, especially when you're this far into the season, it can start jacking with guys.
2: can take people out of their game. I'll go a step further and say, I've been on OSU's bandwagon to be a College World Series team all year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are. Uh, I think they they're, they're in the conversation for a host, you know, and maybe super, but... Beyond that, I I don't I don't see the consistency of a college world series team.
1: Oh, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think they are either. But right. what I'm saying is my thing is just like when I said OU's could be a super regional team. That's for both of them. When I go to college world series and a super regional, everything that we said they needed to have happen has to happen. Right. And so I'm like you. I don't think OSU right now is a college world series team because I haven't seen signs of those things that I said needed to happen at the first of the year happening. Right. Just like I don't think OU is definitely a super regional type team because, you know, some of the young guys have finally come along in the last couple of weeks, starting to hit, that, you know, we're returning. Right. As far as veterans, freshmen are coming on, but pitching's not. You know, it's like both things where you needed things to happen, they're not happening.
2: They're not. I don't think Texas is a college World Series team. I think they're really good. Uh, I think Texas Tech is starting to play really good baseball on both sides. I think TCU is close with the midweek sweep over Grand Canyon this year. But there's not that – Texas Tech might end up being that that one team out of the league, but there's not one that just stands out as a clear-cut favorite to make it to Omaha. That's good and bad news for Oklahoma because they've played some of the teams they needed to beat already. Right. So it – you know, you know it's it's an interesting lineup right now where they're at. But in terms of OSU, they're they're just too inconsistent to pencil into the elite category right now.
1: Well, and that, your comments about OSU and about Texas that leads me to my other thing here on the Big Twelve. I think we've looked at the Big Twelve in years past. Like I remember having this debate last year a lot of times when it was coming up on regional time, everyone's host. I thought the Big Twelve, you know, was could have got three, four regional hosts, you know, potentially. This year, I look at it, and I'm kind of going, look, I know some teams like Texas may get a regional if they win the conference, just because their name's Texas and they won the Big 12. I, I I, don't feel like the Big 12's that good this year. I think when you look at every team, there are some major weaknesses. Right. You know, even let's take Texas. I think they've got some pretty good starters, especially, you know, Lucas Gordon on Friday night, you know, and it, it goes on. But look what happened last week against Baylor. They're yes. like, what, a couple of hits away from going 0-3 at
2: Waco? Look, they should have lost the series Yeah, in Waco. I know that, that Baylor beat Oklahoma, and then they're playing some better baseball at home. But if you're Texas, that's a series that you expect to win and you need to win.
1: Right, and, and they nearly blew two games in that. They did. And, and so that's where I'm like, everywhere you go, oh, this is good for them, there's almost a glaring weakness. Just like their offense is good, but it's not great this year. Right. But I think it shows what I, I've been trying to say all along with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State when we both said, if these things pan out, if these things pan out, they could be these teams. It shows when you lose. Like for Oklahoma, I think it's like 87% of their pitching staff as far as numbers from last year. Wow. And OSU's kind of a similar number. number, you know, when it goes to guys that ate up quality innings and innings that were important. I mean, those are hard to replace. I mean, I don't care – who you are, what team, when you're replacing that much, that means, like for you, they lost nine guys out of their pen last year or out of their pitching staff, nine guys to the draft and seniors, nine guys that pitch. That means out of your incoming guys, you literally need, fingers crossed, five of them minimum to truly pan out and be high-level guys from day one.
2: You do, and I've... Not argued, but tried to ease OU fans this year that have gotten on skip. You know, saying, "Hey, he's he's a pitching coach. What's the deal here?" You have to realize when you lose that much pitching, elite pitching, that you know pitching meaningful innings last year, guys that have been through the war and battle Mm -hmm. for you and 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 won. When you lose it, you can't replace it overnight. It it doesn't happen, and you're seeing a lot of teams struggle with that. Now, to your point of the Big Twelve not being good. I'll say that West Virginia and Kansas showing a little bit of parity makes it maybe a deeper conference this year.
1: That that's kind of the thing. It's that's what I'm meaning. Like they don't have the upper level teams where I think, oh, there's three hosts. You're right, Kansas, West Virginia, heck, even Baylor, even though they got 13 wins, they're battling. It seems like with everybody.
2: And I have to say, Kansas State with Pete Hughes, yeah, they're no, a little, they're, they're better. They're better right now. They're yeah, better. I
1: mean, so that's you're right in that sense. It is good, but in the sense of having those upper echelon teams, where you're like. Hey, you know what? They could go into an SEC. I don't, what I guess I'm trying to say, SEC top level teams. I don't know if there's one team I'd feel safe about in the Big 12 going, oh, they're going to Florida this weekend. They can win that series. I don't know if there's one I'd feel really good about, sending them to Florida, sending them to Arkansas. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Send them gotcha. to Vanderbilt.
2: Texas Tech would be close right now, in my opinion. I, I still I think, think they're starters. There's I issues. Know, I know, but that offense. That they, they, Exa- but, but we both know pitching and defense wins. Yeah. That's what eventually wins. But Texas Tech, in my opinion, is starting to put together the pieces you like to see of a very elite team.
1: It, they can be. I think there's. they've still got to answer some questions for me on the pitching side. Back in with Beckel.
2: Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Is phenomenal. Yeah. Don't who, get me wrong. Who was the guy that came in and dominated Saturday? Was it uh, Big 12? pitcher? Free. Free. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. That guy's good.
1: I mean, he's good, too. That's I mean, they've got some back-end guys. It's almost like their front-end guys are the suspect guys. So, it's like with that offense, if you can get through and be up 6-4 or whatever going into the sixth inning, yeah. you feel pretty good about
2: Ted. You're not lying. Oh, you knocked their starter out Friday night, and you're thinking, hey, we're feeling good about this. The guy that comes in is better mm-hmm. than the starter Friday night. Yeah. And shuts down the offense. So, yeah. Kind of the same thing happened on Saturday. It did. It did. Free, yeah. Outstanding appearance. But, now to your point, it's you don't see those upper echelon teams that the usual suspects usually have to say, yeah, they're going to host a Super and maybe go to Omaha. You don't have that this year. No. But it's a deeper league. Uh, Oklahoma still sitting in a spot. We've been saying it for three weeks that they control their own destiny. That is starting to shrink a little bit. If the, If they're going to do it, they have to start doing it right now.
1: The good news is, They control their own destiny to make the Big 12. Because in the end, if you win games, I still feel like Baylor's just that team that's gutty. Probably not going to get many wins either. You can pass them, so you can at least be that eight team. But you're right. Regional-wise, they control their own destiny in the sense they got to win some games and then be able to make noise in the Big 12. Right. But they don't control their own destiny like they did before last week's series. If you don't want a series that hey, now just go win series the rest of the way out. You're an at-large team.
2: Right. And it was against a team with a good RPI that's ranked the top 25. It's a series at home that, like I said, you get in a position to win Friday night. You have to take advantage of that. If you're going to start making noise, it didn't happen. But as resilient as this team is, and you think, you know, they're going to get swept Sunday, they come back and and put together a really good game that makes you scratch your head. Yeah. You know, what's the identity of this team? Who are they? How are they really going to play? And that's why this weekend in Texas, I have no idea. Yeah, it's just...
1: It's a guessing game.
2: Right it now. is. It's a guessing game.
1: And joining us now talking a little Texas baseball, Zach Sim from com and part of the rivals network. Zach, you got Oklahoma, Texas and baseball this weekend. Always a great rivalry. Give us your thoughts on this Texas team so far.
0: Yeah. You know, this Texas team has been an interesting one to watch. They, uh, they lost a lot of pieces during the off season due to the MLB draft and, um, you know they really took their time to gel and kind of come together as a team to find, as Coach Pierce describes it, that identity. Um, they suffered some some defensive lapses early on, and the defense or the offense try to try to play catch up. But you know one thing that's been consistent throughout has been the pitching, and um, the offense has really come around, and this team's really kind of come together. They went on a what sixteen, seventeen game win streak, and. So I, I think they're a dangerous team. You know, they're not perfect by any means. They certainly don't have all the pieces maybe they did last year. But uh, it's a team that kind of hit their stride at the right time as they entered conference play.
2: Zach, we were just talking before we got you on that. It seems like in the Big 12 this year, you don't have that juggernaut or maybe the, the list of usual suspects at the very top of the league. But the league itself seems a little bit deeper. Can you speak to to kind of where Texas falls in that pecking order, you know, where we are right now in the season? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, one of the things I keep harping on is that people need to realize how much talent,
0: not just Texas, but the entire Big 12 lost across the board. You know, there wasn't a single team that returned more than one weekend starter. That That's going to put some pressure on defenses. That's going to put pressure on, on your pitching staff. And so when you look across the board, I, I think Texas is right there at the top. Um, you know, Oklahoma State has had some struggles here and there, surprisingly. And uh, same thing could be said for Texas Tech and TCU. And so when you really look at across the board the Big Twelve, I think there's parity is kind of the word of the day. Um but certainly Texas with a sweep of Texas Tech, um, they've positioned themselves really well for, you know, another Big Twelve title run.
1: You know, when you look at this Texas team and let's go back to last weekend, I, I know it seems like they've got their starting rotation and they've been they've been solid on the weekend, but it seems like almost because of what you mentioned them and what they lost last year that The back end of the bullpen has been affected a little more for Texas. Look at the three games that they played against Baylor, two of them, big leads going into the eighth and ninth inning and almost slipping away from them. Has that been an issue for Texas most of the season?
0: You know, what's interesting is it really hasn't. It's only been once they've gotten a big 12 play um, that you've seen that back end of the bullpen kind of struggle and and try to find its form. You know, if you look at their regular eight and four, they realistically have blown three games. Um, that they were ahead in. So Oklahoma State on the Sunday game where that would have won them the series, mm-hmm. they gave up two runs in the ninth inning against Baylor. They gave up five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, and then against K State they gave up three runs in the I think it was the top of the seventh inning. And so it, you know, it's kind of been in this maddening. We've well, been so good all along. Is this just a kind of a cold snap, or is there a larger issue overall?
2: Well, if you could speak to, uh, it seemed like Morehouse. Seemed that was the name we kept hearing about. Is the guy that was going to come in and lock this down, and, and it seems like he's kind of had his struggles. I mean, is that someone that you think comes back and takes over that job and, and solidifies that, or is there somebody else that you're, you're kind of watching to do that? You know, it's, it's interesting because yeah, Morehouse definitely
0: was the guy. He started out as a as a starter, a weekend guy on the on the front end, um, and then David Pierce moved into the closer roles because he wanted to utilize his best, what calls five or six arms in the maximum capacity could. And when you have a guy that's pitching once a week, you really don't get to use him enough. Right. So you put him in that starter role um, or extended starter uh, or closer role, extended closer role to try and lock things down. And, you know, I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, the change in mentality of, you know, having the time to prep going through your rotation versus coming in cold or, you know, he doesn't pitch the same um, when he's out of the stretch versus where he's um, out of the windup and so yeah I, I think going forward I think Pierce is going to continue to play around with with that closer role just to find the right balance between hey look we can't always go to him but he has to at sometimes be the guy so
1: you know it's interesting you talk about weekend rotations one guy the most maybe returning out all the big 12 teams and it leads me to the other side of the ball for offense and talking about Texas because it feels like just as many big hitters left this conference as last year, you know, as they did pitchers. And Texas is a prime example of that, losing a guy like Melendez and a few other guys. How big, with that being said, how big was the addition of Porter Brown for this team this year?
0: Yeah, Porter Brown's been been absolutely amazing from day one. You know, he came in the fall in the first scrimmage I saw him. He hit for the cycle in his first four at-bat. I was like, all right, well, that'll play. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's the guy that hit the ground running. You know, he had a lot of experience and he's had his injury issues at TCU, but he wasn't always the, the day one starter, but he was there. He was seeing live action. He was seeing some great pitching. Um, and so he's really made a, a massive difference. And then, you know, another transfer that you look at is Garrett Guillemette, the the catcher out of USC. He spent two years out at USC as the everyday catcher and he comes to Texas and you're thinking, man, replacing Silas Arduan is a really big, Um, gap to fill and he just he slides right in he's not necessarily the same defensive catcher but offensively you know he's a doubles machine and he's he's hitting for more power as they've gotten into conference which has also been a a really big boom for them
2: yeah zach it's funny the the fans i know of of the bases that made omaha last year they just can't imagine they make omaha and are struggling this bad but teams that are are very good are kind of victims of their own success because they get poached by the draft and that that happens year in year out and you're seeing a lot of that from the teams that went to omaha last year but Let's dive right into this series coming up. A big one in Austin, Oklahoma, and Texas. Oklahoma has been struggling of late. That's no, no secret, but we all know that rivalry games are kind of a different animal. Well, what's your take on Oklahoma watching them this year?
0: Yeah, you know, I've, I've watched them a lot. Um, I, I, I pay attention to the Big 12 in general just to kind of see what's going on. I honestly think this is a much better team um, than what it kind of shows on paper, right? The numbers pretty much stay. Um Even though they're, what, 19 and 19 on the season – they, they had two massive wins against Stanford. Um, you saw what they did at TCU. They're, they're a team that when they're healthy, they know how to win. They know how to play. Obviously, we're very familiar with Coach Skip, Johnson. Um, and so I, I think they, they made a really good decision by bringing Carmichael in on that Sunday roll um, to buttress up, and up against Hit and uh, Braxton. And so I think they're still trying to find the pieces because just like Texas, Oklahoma lost. As much, if not more, from a pitching standpoint and an offensive standpoint. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun series. Um, I think that Oklahoma is a dangerous team that could could very well steal a series. And, you know, they did it against D.C.U. and they, uh, you know, they run a little Texas Tech last weekend again, um, against Texas Tech. So.
1: You know, Zach, it's kind of funny. You know, and I know you covered college baseball a lot. I've covered for a while, and. I need another opinion because people always rip me a little because I'm like almost trying to be too positive about the state schools. But give me your perspective. When we talk about all these guys like Texas Replace. how big is that? Especially, I think, in pitching more than the offensive side. When you're replacing six, seven, eight guys out of a bullpen and starting rotation, am I wrong in saying the number the next year out of your recruits that have to hit? If you've lost, you know, eight guys out of your pin. You need about, what, five of those guys to hit big-time level right away, right, to be a contender again.
0: Yeah, you you definitely do. Um, and you, you'll have episodes where, like, Oklahoma last year started a little slow and then and really just took off in conference. Um, but when you bring guys in, one of the things Texas has seen from their transfers is they've had slow beginnings, you know, the first month. It, it takes time to get in a groove. It takes time to get into a kind of the normal chain of events. Um, but yeah, you from a pitching standpoint, you really have to hit those guys, and they've got to show improvement. The guys returning at the same time, they have to take and build upon what they saw was successful from the year before and translate that into their own season. Um, you know, a great example of that is, is Lucas Gordon from Texas, right? He's always had the mentality. It's just been about putting the mentality together with the mechanics and, you know, kind of shaping everything together. And he got to sit behind Pete Hanson and learn a lot from him. Um, both of them were never going to be hard-throwing lefties. But being able to change the shape of their ball, being able to add a third pitch like the slider that um, Gordon added this year, it's made a huge difference. Um, and so that's really what, you know, helps make those guys successful. And I, I think that's one of the things that Texas has done a really good job is they use those older guys to be the mentors and show them year after year, like this is, and it sounds, you know, Cliche, but this is the Texas standard. You have to do X, Y, and Z to be successful.
2: Zach Sim with uh, some great insight to Texas. You mentioned, you know, adding a pitch that was uh, Cade Horton last year when he came back from uh, Tommy John surgery and really hit his stride. That was when I think Ben Abram helped him develop a slider, completely turned the season around. Not only for Cade, but for Oklahoma, it was that small of a deal. But Zach, you've been great uh, right here for Orange Bloods. We want to appreciate you uh, your time for coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, and and looking forward to a a great series down here in Austin.
1: Hey, Zach, thank you so much, man, and enjoy the games this weekend.
0: I appreciate it. Will do.
1: Well, Zach had some interesting points, and it's good, I think, to hear some outside perspective. You know, it's really easy when you cover a team, follow a team, whether you're a fan or a media member, to be hypercritical. You know, I thought one thing he did say was interesting, and I'm not going to necessarily go as far as this, when he says he thinks Oklahoma's a lot better than they are on paper. I do think there are some very positives for Oklahoma. You know, offensively, some of those guys out there. Even some of the pitchers, I mean, George Frazier made a point last week. Sometimes you can focus too much on ERA in college just because a guy's got an elevated ERA. It may be because there's 56 games. He's only made 14 appearances, and two of those appearances were bad. Sure. So you don't get many innings, so your ERA's elevated. No, I'm not saying that's a total excuse. Don't get me wrong. So, but I do think there are some things to what Zach said, what George has said in the past, that does give you belief that some of these guys are a better level than what they look like number-wise.
2: To your point, to George's point, you see a guy in the bullpen that's popping the mid at 93, 94 with good movement on his stuff. That's what you look at. Not ERA. They can come in, like you said, against a red-hot offense like Stanford and go two-thirds of an inning and one bad outing pumps that ERA up. You can't look at that as your metric. That being said, you, you get enough of those outings put together by your guys and your pin. That's a different story. That's, right. that's kind of where Oklahoma is right now.
1: Exactly. And that's but I use like an example of Carson Pierce, 275 ERA before the Baylor game, right? Gives up five straight hits and I think they score four. His ERA got elevated. It did. But you're right. There's don't get me wrong, there's a lot of guys out there that have maybe 12 appearances and eight of them have been bad. You know, so I'm not saying the bullpen's not had issues. I'm just saying it's really easy to focus just on ERA, and I think in college baseball more than other baseball, as far as like minor league and major league that play 100-plus games, sometimes ERA is not the end-all, be-all.
2: It's not, and to your point about the number of games, that's kind of what we're seeing with Oklahoma. Uh, you you don't have enough games to really get on a roll and get things fixed. I think if, the, if this team we're looking at right now is going to play – A 90-game schedule. I think they have all the experience and talent in the world to not only make the tournament, but make some noise in the tournament. But they don't play that many games, and they're running out of chances to gel and get on that kind of a run. And i got to admit, and this
1: goes for the All-Big 12 until Zach said it, I knew there were a lot of starters down. Like when I looked at TCU's roster, I mentioned OSU doesn't have their weekend returning guys, you know. And OU, we already know their situation. I didn't realize... Like nobody has more than one weekend guy returning.
2: That is nuts. I had no idea.
1: I mean, think about that. So when we talk about Big Twelve midweek struggles, that's part of it. Because I've made that argument forever. When you have a team that's decimated by the weekend rotation, if then it also includes your midweek guy that's gone, you've had nobody that's developed in the system as it moves on through. Right. You know, so it's not like, you know, my perfect situation if I'm a coach, if if you have a you know, your wish list as a head coach, worst case scenario, your Sunday guy's back, you know, like he's a sophomore. And so, you know, he's coming back and your midweek guy's a freshman that would be a sophomore the next year. And so all you do is you move those two guys up, you know, like to Friday, Saturday, and then you just got to fill the Sunday midweek role. Right. You know, a lot of these big 12 teams, they lost all four. And so they didn't have the young guys behind them getting those starts at division one level, being groomed. So you got a lot of guys, whether they're junior college guys, high school guys coming in, going, Hey bud, here's a ball. Go have fun.
2: And look what w- this era of, you know, RPI and, and wanting to boost your schedule. You cannot go out and play cupcakes to get these guys ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to throw them in the deep end right off the bat. And that's a lot of the ERA issues we're seeing from this year.
1: Well, look at the defending national champs. Oh Miss. They have, I think it's four wins now in the sec, right? Three or four, right? They're struggling. I mean, but you look at their roster, they lost everybody, or at least a ton of them. You know, they they're replacing a huge percentage. It's just harder and harder, especially with the portal now, to replace. Cause even if you have some of those guys that may be the ones that are going to fill in, yep. they may get that better opportunity somewhere else and they transfer out. It's it's a it's it's a glorious mess in a good way. I think it's good overall for college baseball in the end of the day, because there's gonna be more talent in the end of the day. Playing Division One college baseball than there's ever been before because major league drafts twenty rounds, right? Minor league system, fewer teams, fewer jobs. So a lot of those high school kids. Tom Holliday made this point on the broadcast the other night. There's guys '92, '93 that are high school or college freshmen that when he was coaching, when the draft was 50 rounds, 60 rounds, how many ever rounds they went, would have never saw a college campus.
2: And I'll throw this out there, too. The portal you mentioned is good for college baseball and it's good for coaches. It's also bad for coaches because that's narrowed the excuses of mm-hmm. fan bases. They say, hey, look, if you know you're missing glaring talent here, it's your job to go out and fill that in the portal.
1: But I'll also say this for the fan bases, and I'm not telling them like you know, how people are ripping people last year donate to this coalition, this whatever. Guys, coach can try to get them there. Exactly. Go when somebody's out there at another school going, you know, We've got just as good an opportunity, plus here's $75,000. Exactly. Because the thing with me, as opposed to men's and women's basketball and football, baseball players, softball players, they're on partial scholarships. Right. So at the end of the day, they're still paying for their schooling to a degree. You know, in some form or fashion, whether it's 80% of it, 50% of it, they're paying tuition. So when they're getting a bigger offer of cash money, plus, hey, we're going to cover... 30% 30% of a scholarship for you, all of a sudden, they're not out any money. No no student loan, no nothing, because they're getting that money from the NIL to help pay off the rest of school.
2: Which makes it a no-brainer if you get offered that by somewhere. And it's nobody's fault of its own. Oklahoma is a little bit behind that in college baseball. Uh, last well, in all
1: sports, to be honest
2: with in you. All, yeah, all sports, but college baseball kind of got a boon by Omaha last year it got mm-hmm. people paying attention. But, no, you got teams like LSU, Old Miss, even though there's Florida. Pretty much any SEC school you want to, you want to throw out there. It, exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and I just will say this, and, and I've seen a lot of them for Oklahoma State as well. I think for both fan bases, with what they lost, you got to breathe. And especially, I'd say this more for Oklahoma, because they'd been down for so long before making that run last year. Everyone in is funny. Jerry Ramsey on our station is like, so why didn't they get more talent in off the World Series thing? you know? And he was just asking me that to kind of explain. to, It's because what you do as a recruiting class from that, runner-up year, or even if OU were to win the national title, it wouldn't have changed much about the recruiting class. They got good players. This isn't ripping the kids that came in. But the level they're getting now, it's for this recruiting cycle. You know, in the sense of you don't capitalize on a runner-up year, a college World Series, year, a national title year. On that year, you're making the run. It's the following year. They've got six or seven really high-powered arms coming in. Now, again, you're dealing with the draft. Are some of those high-powered arms even going to see campus? Might not be there. We don't know. But at least they're paying off their World Series run. Unfortunately for fan bases, a lot of times that's the following year.
2: We're seeing a lapse. And my answer to Jerry would have been, hey, if you get a kid that's down between Oklahoma and LSU, even though LSU was nowhere near Omaha last year, and they can offer him seventy-five grand, that's going to be an easy decision for that kid and his family. That's why. Yeah. Oklahoma can't compete. That's a... Entirely different conversation to have, but that's NIL and college baseball. It's changed a lot, especially with this portal. But, uh, you know, th- that's why they they cannot go out and just plug and play these guys. They're trying. They, they they just have limited resources right now to work with.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, and really, to be honest, I think that's both schools. And I know O'Brate's great. It is great. And, and I think they've got some good resources. But I think they're even trying to catch up with baseball because I think the NIL world has caught the non- major sport, you know, football and men's basketball, a little off guard because some of the schools, like you mentioned, SEC, some of them in the ACC, right. those are huge sports to them. Exactly. I mean, baseball, softball, it's huge sports to them. And it is for OU. OU's done well in the NIL game for softball. But it's like trying to figure out what level you need to be at in baseball. I think it's kind of been an adjustment factor for a lot of schools around the country because they're like, oh, wait, SEC schools are able to offer this For a kid, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board.
2: It is, and that's what we're trying on this podcast or have been this season to try to prepare OU fans for, that it's going to be a different world in the Southeastern Conference uh, in baseball. Uh, It's not going to be like anything they've seen in Norman or anywhere in the Big 12. It is a different animal out there.
1: To be honest, I think
2: it's a different animal in all sports. I could not agree more.
1: You know, it's I've said forever when they announced they were going, I told everyone, I was like, I got a lot of catching up to do. And I don't necessarily mean facilities. I'm meaning the fan base, right? You know, let's just not nothing administration wise or anything. It's the fan base. Like, Hey guys, look at women's gymnastics events in sec, like LSU and Florida. I know you does well on women's they gymnastics, do. but they it's oh, yeah. like, it's like, we're talking sold out arenas. We're talking sold out baseball stadiums. We're talking heavily attended basketball games. It's like,
2: I think, I think, wasn't there a joint kind of a mission by OU and Norman staff to go check out some stuff recently? And they, if you read the story? open their eyes. They said,
1: oh, okay. We're not there. We're behind. Yeah. Time to wake
2: up. You know,
1: and that's all I'll say. Right. Hey, it's going to be a fun weekend in college baseball, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State's another big series. I think it's going to be fun to watch how both these teams do on the weekend. I mean, you look at it and – what are your thoughts on Oklahoma this weekend?
2: Uh, it, kind of what we said. I, I think that they're better than their record shows, but those are the cold hard facts. They're a 500 team, last in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. That being said, because we see things as baseball guys that most baseball guys see when they look at Oklahoma, is that's a dangerous team because they have the tools, if it's put together on the same day in the same game, to beat anybody. And they've proven that by beating TCU and Stanford. And I think they can go down and win this series. It's a long shot. But I think Texas is not infallible and they'll have every every opportunity. It's gonna be hard playing in Austin, always is. And uh it doesn't get any easier this year with the struggles OU has had. But we keep talking about they're close and they're they're getting back. they Dakota Harris is back and they've got the rotation now. So there are reasons to be optimistic, but it's gonna it's gonna be a tough, tough three three games.
1: I think it's gonna be very interesting to see. I, I, I'll say this. I'll feel okay about this team regardless of the record. If you start seeing You know, like starting pitching puts together a second weekend in a row of good rotation. You know, and you can just find one or two guys out of that bullpen to go, all right, look, they lost the games, but they didn't go out and just explode.
2: Okay, speaking of the bullpen, where has Aaron Weber gone?
1: Well, I mean, he pitched the other night and struggled.
2: Okay. You know, I mean, that's just kind of one of the deals, but because he was leading the Big 12 in saves like a week ago.
1: Yeah, I mean he, he pitched okay on the weekend against Tech the one time I think it was I think it was Tech. But like against Oklahoma State he just didn't have it but again no one no had one it did. against Oklahoma no State. One did. You know, so it, I don't know. And that's that's where it's just like I, I mean a lot it's I think anymore and this isn't ripping kids. I think anymore it's really easy to point the blame at a coach. At a certain point, you can only preach a message so long, and the kids got to do it. Right. You know, not, and I don't mean Weber. I'm saying is the staff, right. You know, kids have to go out and perform too. Yes, it's on the coaches, but also it's on kids performing. And I feel like maybe, I don't know if there's a disconnect or whatever, we've got to see some of that. And I think we've started to see it in the starting rotation.
2: It's just the back end of that pin, really the mid of the pin and the back end. I mean, the fans were tweeting Tuesday, just throw strikes, you know, skip, make them throw strikes. Look, the kid has to throw strikes.
1: Well, my thing was, it wasn't just OU.
2: Again, it was 21 walks. Yeah. 21 tight. walks. Tight zone. Very tight zone.
1: I mean, it's it's crazy. And I'll be honest, tight zones, whether it's right or wrong, and I'm one. fine. The guys zone pretty much stayed the same all night, and I agree with that. So that's all you can ask for. But when you're already guys struggling, finding the strike zone, and this goes for both OU and OSU, in the tri- strike zone's tight. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. You start making mistakes you wouldn't
2: have made before. That's true, yeah. yeah. Str- struggling, uh, struggling staff in a tight zone is a very bad combination. Yeah.
1: So we've talked about Oklahoma this week. The other one that's interesting, Oklahoma State. Their series this weekend. Look, they're on the road, and it's one that I, I can't pick it because – I really thought OSU would win their series at home last week against West Virginia. I thought West Virginia would get one. I didn't think OSU would lose two. They're going to a team that got swept last week in Kansas. They're playing in Lawrence. But at the same time, this is a Kansas team that's been gritty, gutty, and played better than I thought they would all year long. If OSU doesn't have it mentally right going into this weekend, it's that's a, series a weird that can, series. It's I a series they can
2: lose. Yeah, it's it's so odd. It's a series they can lose, and if, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm not feeling overly confident right now. And I, I've talked to some of their fans that listen to the show on Twitter, and they're not overly confident. I have no idea what's up with McLean. You know, we we've talked at length about getting him back. but
1: I mean, he's going to be able to start taking pinch hit roles maybe, but that's
2: it. We're that's not a, talking every day. No, Kansas is definitely a team. I, I think they, they're embracing the underdog role. They're embracing people saying, whoa, 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 Kansas is actually doing okay in the Big 12. I think they feed off that. Playing at home, they've been, you know, Somewhat tough to beat. So, who knows? It's like any other series in the Big 12. Flip a coin.
1: And the reason I bring it up is, yes, it, it's a tough series for Oklahoma State because, again, some of their issues has been pitching, right? Kansas State, they lost a game 21-18 to 18 on Sunday. Now, Easy. it's a game three starter, but it's proof their offense is good. Right. So, if OSU goes out and, say, gives up eight free passes on Friday night, I don't care who's on the mound. If Kansas State gets halfway decent pitching, that's a ball game. And it gets scary for the Cowboys. So, I don't know. I mean, that's where it goes back to, again, this conference is just
2: good. It's just good. It, it's deep. It's top to bottom deep. I think OSU, I say if I'm a fan, I'm not confident. I'm not a fan, but... Uh, but I can look at them objectively and say, I think they'll go win the series. I feel that way too, but it's scary to me. It is scary. It's, it's a tricky one, and that's, you know, it seems like week in, week out in this league, that's what you get.
1: And I'll be honest right now, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're rooting for Cowboys. Uh, absolutely. OH, uh, Kansas is 5-7. and OU's got four conference w- wins. You got Baylor with five wins. You need both those schools just to start losing some games. You do. you OU O-H to piece together, one this weekend at least, and then win two against Kansas if you can, you know, start putting some series wins together where you've got some games.
2: They need to start going on runs like 4-1, to win-to-loss win to ratio. That's what we need to start seeing from Oklahoma. Yeah. If they have a chance, you know, down the stretch in this thing, I think they have a three-game set against Gonzaga upcoming too. Yeah. I, I haven't really followed the Bulldogs much. They were decent. They're okay. Dubs. They're not great okay. this year. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are some winnable games upcoming for OU, also very tough ones like we've, we've talked about Texas, and it, luckily they have TCU out of the way with a series win against them. So, you know, it's, we keep repeating the same thing, that they, they've got the destiny in their hands and all that, but like I keep saying, it's, it's time to, to put it to fruition and start winning games.
1: No doubt you got to win conference games. Well, we're going to switch gears a little and go to a little alumni base. Joining us now here on the Bullpen Brothers, former Oklahoma Sooner, 94 national champion, Damon Miner. Damon, thanks for taking some time out today.
3: Hey, no problem. Good morning y'all.
1: Hey Damon, I, I know your family's going through a lot and, and let's just kind of start there because one reason we wanted to have you on, not just to talk about your days at Oklahoma and what you're doing now, but your brother, Ryan, he, he's he been a long time baseball guy, also a 94 national champ. He He's going through a lot right now and I want to give him a little support on that and some things you got planned up ahead.
3: Uh, yes. Um, obviously Ryan was diagnosed with, uh, colon cancer last year and, um, He's um, kind of, he's into a uh, really long battle right now. He's got, uh, he's on his 12th round of chemo. Um, got some decent news uh, a couple weeks ago that um, the cancer has not grown, uh, but it's not getting smaller, but it's uh, stable. So that was uh, some good news. Uh, so he's uh, got a couple cut months of chemo, and then he's going to have another checkup at John Hopkins. So uh, he's uh, in good spirits, but he's um, he's in a, in the in battle right now. Damon, I'll tell you, those of us that grew up in Oklahoma in the 90s, you and your brother, uh, I mean, are staples for collegiate athletics. And I know that the OU family and, and collegiate family in Oklahoma in general wants, wants to get behind and help you guys out. I know that you've got a, a charity golf tournament upcoming. Can you give some details about that where people can check it out, maybe a website, you know, some some details about, about what's going on there? Uh, yes, we've um, – Put together kind of – I have a, a really good friend of mine that's um, been with OU. He's uh, Larry Phillips, uh, runs San Anthony Hospital. We've uh, put together a group to, to put a um, little charity tournament called the uh, Sooners Family Reunion. So uh, we're kind of getting a, kind of a, uh, um, a nice little Sooner ring with um, ex-alumni players of uh, basketball and baseball that are going to be involved um, to come out and support and raise uh, funding for my brother um, – it's July 11th. Um, it's going to be a really good event. Um, there, uh, you can, uh, there's a flyer that shows uh, has a QR code that I can send to you all. It's, um, it's on social media right now where you can log in and for your team. Uh, sp- uh, whole sponsors. Um, hopefully we get some, um, uh, some golf sponsors as well, as you can see them there. Um, it's just going to be a really good event um, to, to, to help Ryan out and uh, actually get a lot of people together. And kind
1: of just um have some have some fun hey Damon I love that you're doing that I hate your guys are having to go through that not only your family but also Ryan but l- looking at looking ahead or back let let's just kind of talk about s- some happy times you know for you guys you, that 94 season and in in your tenure at Oklahoma one thing I remember about it I was in college at the same time as you and I went to all the games and i I just remember the family support you guys had as a unit and I see it going through with you and Ryan now as you guys got older but being at those games I talked to your mom and dad it seemed like almost every game when you guys were playing what was it like having parents like that that were so supportive in what you guys wanted to do in life
3: yeah my mom and dad Nancy and Dale they were they were really instrumental to um giving us every opportunity to um to, to go play and in, in, in high school and Always traveling, always my, my family's vacations were at a baseball tournament or a basketball tournament. So it was, uh, they were very supportive in, in our careers and just helped us just enjoy playing and giving us an opportunity. And uh, we wouldn't be anywhere without them where we are today. So, um, you know, always great going out and be able to. You know, play summer ball everywhere across the country, and then give us that exposure, and that helped us. And you know, coming from a small town and going to the University of Oklahoma it was a really big change, and that really helped us, and then helped us getting into pro ball. Damon, I know that uh, we were going to have Jeff Baganero on uh, you know, last week, maybe the week before. He sends me a text, says, "Crap, I got to cancel. We played Damon's A team tomorrow." So for people that are kind of wondering what you're up to now, you're the hitting coach of a triple-A ball club out in Sacramento. Why don't you tell people about that? Yes, I've been um, – you know, I'm with the San Francisco Giants. I've been with their triple-A uh, affiliate with the, um, in Sacramento for going on my ninth year here. So I um, was obviously drafted by the Giants out of, out of high, uh, college at OU and been with uh, them for quite like some time as a coach now. Um so started with the Marlins after I retired. Just uh, um, obviously was a volunteer assistant with OU for a year before I started um, a high school baseball academy and then got back into pro ball as a uh, coach. And uh, I love working with the Giants. They've been, uh, you know, had a chance opportunity to play in the big leagues with them and then now get a chance to uh, help young hitters uh, get ready for the big leagues and when guys come back and forth from the big leagues as well.
1: Hey, Damon, we've had a couple of former teammates of yours from that 94 team, and and they've talked about the memories in that run. And, you know, what was it like in that 94 year? I mean, you guys were special all year long, but it it seemed like that regional just took off for you guys from the Austin Regional on through the World Series.
3: Yes, we had a, you know, we had a really collective group. You know, we had a lot of guys that have different personalities, different backgrounds, a lot of guys from California. Um, a lot of guys, you know, from Oklahoma as well, um, but it was uh, we really kind of blended and came together, I think, right before that, um, you know, the Big 8 tournament, and, you know, we obviously lost to OSU in the in, in, in the tournament, the one the got regular season, and I think uh, getting snubbed as a regional host kind of kind of got a little fire under us, and I was like, you know what, this is uh, we're going to show what we can do, and we went down to Austin and uh got kind of dog on their field and uh took care of business and it just kind of just clicked from there and then we went to the obviously with probably world series and there was no holding us back yeah and i gotta say it's pretty surreal having you guys on I, I was 12 and had my entire little league team over at the house watching that game and what one thing i've always wondered about when you hit the the home run that pretty much levitated the soul out of tech and then it ended all chance for them It it seemed like you kind of had it scowl as you rounded the bases, as you rounded third. You seemed kind of pissed. Well What was going through your your mind as, as you took that trot? Well, I, you, I, I got first. I had two hits in the first game against Auburn, and then was over like fifteen before feel that hit. That <laughs> so that there was a little bit of emotion right there. A little upset, but uh, thank goodness Coachell put uh, put the uh, hit and run on, so I was swinging no matter what. <laughs>
1: Hey, Damon, you know, there were so many memories with that team and everything, but let's talk about it. Let's take the family side of things. You and Ryan. I mean, right now, currently on the Oklahoma team, the Carmichael brothers are playing together. You know, you guys playing together and he was a pitcher, first baseman, you first base DH. I mean, what was it like not only getting to play with your brother through high school, but then getting to take that on to the next level on the division one level?
3: Yeah, that's it, it, it's kind of something special that you don't you don't realize at the time, um, but to get to play with your brother and you know you obviously see the Carmichaels right now playing and and got to play with their dad obviously mm-hmm. when I was there at OU, um, it, it, it is something special. You know you always look forward to uh, going out there and you have that competitive spirit because you know we were he was very athletic and every time we, and basketball was over with when they got beat on the in the tournament he'd come out and next you know I'm DH and these <laughs> places so I kind of. I kind of always had that little fire. It's like, you know, I'm going to compete and just keep uh, – he, he always brought that out of me in a good way and helped me perform and be a better baseball player. And, and the same thing when we got into pro ball, we didn't get a chance to play in the big leagues uh, together. Uh, but we kind of play against each other here and there. And, and it was a uh, – it's just something special that you always – you don't see it at the time. He just uh, now, looking back, it uh, it was a privilege to play with him. That's one of the more unique situations I can remember to not only have two brothers in different sports at the same university, but stars. I mean, guys that really excelled in, in both spots. It was something to watch. Damn, and I'm so sorry you guys are. Are fighting, you know, a real life battle right now. That's why we wanted to get you on and, and help spread that word and get as many people behind it as possible. And uh, just, just wish you all the best. And, and tell Ryan that we're all there with him, man. We will do it. And I, I, we really appreciate this, this. Um, you know, coming about and, and just the outpour, for you know, the, everyone in the country as well. Um, you guys and everyone. It's just been a uh, really outpour with the uh, the GoFundMe and just everyone really supporting and, and you just see that 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 love and that um, when things happen like this, it's just uh, been an awesome outreach for you guys and I appreciate you guys having fun.
1: Hey, real fast, one final question for you. I just wanted to bring up because you mentioned Darby and I know he's been a high school coach for a while. I mean, you look at the, that team when I talked about it as special. You guys were baseball and, and nuts and bolts, guys. And what I mean by that is, look at you coaching in the minors. I know Ryan was coaching in the minors for a while. Tim Walton, head coach at Florida. Gajewski, head coach at, you know, Oklahoma State. And, and it goes on and on from that team. Was that kind of something that was so special about that team? The guys that were just fundamentally sound, and You have to be that to be a coach. And there were so many of you guys on that team like that
3: yeah and and that was you you can just go across the country, obviously you mentioned with uh with Eric Thomas's obviously with at OSU you know i I think what was really instilled to us was our work ethic and what uh you know Larry Cochelll, Pat Harrison, Vern rule, the coaching staff that was there. they were really instrumental in in, in getting us to to play the game right, to uh, always be prepared um so that that stuff really comes to us moving forward into our into our careers and then and also with our families and our and our children you pass it on you look at Darby being in high school coach, and then his sons are there at OU right now I mean it's just the legacy that that OU baseball has really carried through us and then now we're trying carrying that through in in our careers and it's just something special that uh you kind of, you don't really, I'm not saying you, you don't see it as much now. Um, and and with our team and with the guys that have really transcended what they're doing in their careers now, is really a stepping stone from you.
1: Hey, really, Pat? David, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Oh, go ahead.
3: I know that you're out there with the Giants and then busy coaching, but have you had a chance to watch this year's club at all? And if so, what are your thoughts on this year's Oklahoma baseball team? Yes, you know. You know, obviously with uh, being out here is a time change and uh, stuff like that, but I've been keeping up and um, obviously Reggie's there, no Reggie a little bit, and then obviously with uh, Skip and then Ryan Gaines still there. So we we still um, – we watch from afar. A, a, a lot of OU players do, alumni. We always watch him and, and I, I – you know, that team that was really resilient last year and had that really good run and came up just a little bit short, uh, this um, – this team is not that far off from it. Just watching them you know, they're just not hitting on all cylinders right now. They'll, they'll pitch one day, not hit. They'll hit, not pitch. Uh, and that's, that's baseball. And it just, um, you just don't have as many games like you do in pro ball to, uh, to make up for it. So, uh, it's kind of, right now it's a little bit glaring. I think they got, they, they lost OSU last night, mm-hmm. uh, which stings a little bit, uh, with that robbery. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I think they they've got they've got the makings of uh, they're a little bit younger team this year, obviously. Um, but I think they can uh, they can get things uh, squared away and just start hitting and pitching at the same time. I think they can make a run.
1: Hey Damon, I know a lot of Oklahoma fans hope that's the case. You know, if nothing else, like you mentioned, it's a young team. We'll see where they go from there. But I want to give you one last chance before we wrap up here, kind of, if people want to. Get involved with the golf tournament. If you'll just let people know where they can find all that information at.
3: Yes, we I have it. Um, we have a uh, flyer put together that's uh, posted on uh, my Twitter feed and also on uh, Facebook, my social media. Um, you can go on there and uh, and download that uh, QR code and uh, just uh, sign up. And you can email that back to me or uh, Larry Phillips. That's on there, and um, you also can um, um, message me. And and if you got any, and let me know the groups and let me know what you like, everyone would like to do. And um, we're going to have catered food, going to have a silent auction afterwards. So it's um, really going to be a, good, a really good environment and kind of a family. And we're going to try to make this a yearly event. And it's at the awesome Jimmy Austin golf course there on campus. They've really worked with us and really going to be a really nice event.
1: Hey, Damon, thanks a lot, man, and good luck the rest of your career and good luck on this fight that Ryan's got ahead of him as well.
3: Really appreciate it. Thanks, Damon. Thanks,
2: Damon. And that player interview was brought to you by Tag Firearms, 1301 Tacoma Avenue, Suite 110, Bismarck, North Dakota. Telephone number 701 226 6096. Email address info at tagfirearms.com. Instagram address at Tag firearm serving all of your suppressor, firearm, and optic needs.
1: That was Damon Miner. What a great interview he was, a great cause. Get out, support. Ryan Miner will have more information, not only on the franchise, be here on the Bullpen Brothers as the year goes on. But that was a really great interview, Dave.
2: Great interview. Uh, you know, getting caught up with Damon. Anybody that saw that 94 series has checked up on these guys, right, as the years have gone on. Like, where are they at? What are they doing? And, and to get them on and find out and get their thoughts on on that 94 run is – is really special, and it's it's cool to get the insight of what he thinks about this year's team and what he thought about the Omaha run, but really the fight that he's going through with his brother Ryan. It's, I, I know that you personally mm-hmm. have some stuff going on with your brother, so you, you can speak to it better than I can, but it, it's a great cause, and anybody that hears on this stuff, I mean – Get out and support. If you can, get out and support it, man. Get get behind it and help these guys out. They, they were instrumental to OU back in the 90s.
1: No doubt. July 11th will be that golf tournament at Jimmy Austin. If you have any questions, you can email me, randy.h at tylermedia.com, or you can look up Damon Miner on his Facebook, like he said, or Twitter page. He has the little flyer up there as well. Get involved for that Ryan Miner golf tournament as well. Hey, that's going to do it for another week of the Bullpen Brothers. Dave, next week, we don't know if we'll be on talking people off the ledge or if maybe they'll get uncontrollably too excited from both schools
2: we'll have to wait and see well we'll be here regardless and on a personal note i just want to say thank or congratulations to what you have upcoming this thank week you. randy we I
1: complete our adoption out, this week. Out, so, yeah.
2: outstanding beautiful little girl i'm looking at her pictures right now in your office and I uh, could not be happier for you guys
1: very excited it's been a long process but finally comes to an end this week so awesome. we're very excited about it. thank you very much that's gonna do it for us